Hello, I'm Floyd Miller, the host of It's Everything West Texas, and I mean everything. Some of our topics are going to make you laugh, and some will make you cry. I guarantee you all of them will make you think. It is the podcast that highlights people and issues in West Texas. As a neighbor, we want to talk with you. The goal is not necessarily to get agreement, but it is about understanding. Subscribe today and never miss another podcast. Hello, my name is Floyd Miller. I am the host of It's Everything West Texas, and we are always striving to bring interesting programs to you today. I believe that we have another program that is going to qualify as an interesting program. I think we could frame this program by saying that it's all about dedication. It's about commitment. It's about showing up uh, when you don't feel like it. The man that we're going to be talking with today has been at his job uh, for 26 years coming January the 2nd. And the thing that's so interesting about that, there is only one person in the company that has more time than he has. The individual that we're going to be talking with today is Stefan Clayhorn. Stefan, welcome to the program today. How you doing, sir? Well, I'm doing great, and I'm happy to I'm happy to have uh, you here today. First of all, I think this is going to be a very interesting program because maybe you can talk with people a little bit about commitment. I want to uh, congratulate you. I see that you received uh, special recognition after 25 years of being with the Cotton Patch, uh, a restaurant. The restaurant business, uh, from somebody on the outside looking in, is a, a pretty tough business, a business that has high turnover, but you have uh, managed to stay there. So I want to, again, congratulate you for that and just maybe first ask you, how did you get into the restaurant business or the food service? business as a career? Well, it all started off when I was a child. Um, my father, he, he raised his two sons, and it's kind of a funny joke thing because he said that, um, he's like, you boys going to learn how to cook because uh, when you get married or get in relationships, uh, when your spouse or significant other is mad at you, she's going to have you fend for yourself. And if you don't know how to cook, you're going to be stuck out hungry or either burning up something in the kitchen, getting yelled at either way it went. Or it could benefit you in a way because women like men who know how to cook because they won't have to cook for them. And it's a special thing. You know, not everyone could actually um, cook or either um, cook a whole menu, partial uh, menu, or even an item because there's some people that can't even boil water or boil eggs and they just mess it up. But I mean, it doesn't take a special, doesn't take a special trade or nothing like that. It just takes, you know, you paying attention to what's going on and the need to do it. So how old were you when you started cooking? Just at home. I'm talking about how old were you when you started cooking? We were about eight and nine. Me and my sister were eight and nine. We're a year apart. We're eight and nine. Daddy um, got us in the kitchen because we're the oldest and we started learning how to cook but my sister she never grasped the full thing because right now she'll brag about a macaroni and cheese and that's about it oh okay. but her boys but his boys um my brother got a little bit older he started learning how to cook and we actually worked at the same place for a while and stuff but um he ventured out because he wanted to be uh, a waiter and serve people rather than cook but whenever he he got to the point that he didn't want to wait tables anymore he goes to cook because he could he could do both he's actually versatile which that's valuable in the restaurant business also 
because you could get your uh, hours and make more money like that. Okay, so when did you know that you were going to be a cook, that that was going to be your career? I knew I was going to be a cook when I started working at a place called the Royal Inn. When I worked at the Royal Inn, they had a uh, famous steak guy there named Clyde Davis. Yes, indeed. Well, Mr. Clyde Davis, him, Mr. J.D. Battles, and Mr. Matthew um, Tut, whenever it was downtime, I used to be a busboy. When it was downtime, they took me up under their wings in the kitchen and it showed me how to do some things. So I learned some things right there and I began to, you know, manifest what I was doing and everything, you know, going home to do it every now and then. Not the, not the big things, but the smaller things that I could and communicating with my father what I had learned. And then he um, basically taught me other things and stuff that would actually um, incorporate my knowledge of cooking. And I've also worked at the uh, Embassy Suites in the Banquet Department. I haven't cooked there, but um, I've worked at the Kettle, which uh, James, James, I forgot his name, James Garrett. James Garrett is another man that uh, influenced me to keep going in cooking because I got to a part where I was like, I don't want to cook anymore because, I mean, it's, it's boring. You do the same thing, repetitious. But uh, everyone that actually mentored me in the cooking, they said it's just like it's just like a mechanic. You're always going to need a mechanic. You're always going to need a plumber. Something's going to break down, and I, and, and I believe somebody's going to get hungry. Nobody's going to starve, so somebody's going to want you to cook them something. Even if you're not working for a restaurant, they're going to want you to cook something, like ribs or brisket on the side or something. All right. Well, so you had some, some mentors, uh, the Royal Inn. It was a great place to start. I mean, that used to be the, that was the place in Abilene, Texas, and yes, uh, Mr. Clyde Davis could, uh, he certainly could cook. Now, on January the 2nd, it will be 26 years. This is a business that has a high turnover. Why do you keep showing up? I, I keep showing up because I like the people that I work with. Um, there's a lot of people that I've been a uh, big brother to, uh, someone they could talk to. You know, in, in any business and stuff, there's, um, there's a, um, what you call it? There's, Family, I mean, you work for people, you know, so long, and, you, and the same people and stuff, they become family. They're there, they're there, they're secrets. Um, they need to talk, you know, the confidentiality and stuff that you have, and um, you know, just the people that you work with and stuff. You know, you depend on those people every day, and they depend on you. And uh, like I say, I, I I mentor some people, and um, you know, we just I, I just like going there because you see different people, you meet different people, you meet different people not only in the kitchen, but you meet different people outside uh, in the dining room also. Right. What what is the what is the life of a cook like? I mean. Kind Kind of take me through what your day looks like. Well, my day is different from everyone else because we have different positions in the kitchen. But my day starts at eight o'clock, sometimes before. It just depends on what time I get there. And um, I come in and uh, I have a I have a list since I do prep now. Uh, uh, my uh, primary job is being prep. I come in in the morning. My manager um, fills out my list. Uh, I set up everything I'm supposed to set up for the line, like cook everything from scratch and make sure my line is set up at eleven o'clock. Because the first customer walks through the door supposedly at eleven o'clock, but some people come early because they want to be there early to get themselves a seat. But uh, I make sure everything's done. Um, meatloaf, everything's made from scratch, um, you know, so I have it all done. And then later on, I do my side work. But during the rush, I do my side duties, like make meatloaf, um, you know, prep it for the next day, not cook it, but prep it and stuff. And then do my rolls and uh, cook other stuff and, you know, just maintain, maintain with the restaurant, you know. And if there's somebody that needs help, I could go there and help them also because I'm in a position where I could go up and help someone if I can or if I have to, you know, whether it's the dishwasher, whether it's to um, the fry cook or whatever, because I've done every position in the restaurant, even management. Well, what is the Sunday crowd like? You know, uh, church folks nice to you? How high is that crowd? Well, that's that's where you got looks can be deceiving, because um, I used to be off on the weekend, and then I started working uh, weekends, well, Sundays. On a Sunday crowd, um, you could see the sweetest uh, mature couple come in, and then they could be the ones that's running you back and forth, you know, to get this, get this, get this, get this, and they only leave you 50 cents. Or you can see the 
people to come in and um, the older couple that comes in and stuff is real nice and don't say nothing and they're looking at you funny the whole time and you think that you're doing something wrong. I'm speaking from the front of the house view. Then they're they're the ones that leave you a good tip. I mean, there are some customers that actually come in and for a while we had uh, these customers that come in used to leave a hundred dollars every time they come in, but I think they dropped it down low now. But uh, it depends on the service and on the on a Sunday it really depends on everybody works with everybody because you can't have one weak link and have a good day because if you have a weak link you got to pick that link up and it starts all the way from the kitchen to the waist staff. So if the waist staff messes up an order, then we're we're in trouble back in the back because they're not going to blame us, but it's gonna it's gonna look like it's us in there. But the crowds that come in is different. I mean, we have a different different set of people to come in and stuff. It usually runs slow. And me myself, I know some of the church uh, crowd that comes in because I know um, some of the local um, churches around here and the people that come in. And I go out there and talk to them. You know, even though I'm a cook, I can still go talk to them and laugh with them, joke with them, even if I have two seconds with them. You know, and there's some regular people that come in that I talk to. And I mean, I, I, I like Sunday. Sunday's my favorite day. Oh, all right, all right. So so then it's it's teamwork. I mean, it's, it's almost like in a in a sport, everybody's got to take care of whatever that position is uh, to win. So it seems like that's the same thing in the in the restaurant business too, as you said, all the way from uh, in the back where you all are cooking to that to person the, to the that front. that person that greets greets them when they come in. Um, what is the what is the best advice that you've ever received, whether it's related to the restaurant business or just just life in general? Just be calm. Don't don't overthink yourself. Be calm. Um, be patient. Um, when you get to the point that it's um, overwhelming, if you have to um, talk to uh, your supervisor and say, "Hey, can I take five minutes? Somebody cover my uh, cover my position real quick. Go outside, calm down, rest, get you a drink of coffee or something like that. Just calm down. That's what we do. You know, if someone is um, having a bad day or something, or they're getting overwhelmed because we have new people that have not worked at a full service restaurant before because they think that fast food and full service restaurants are the same, and then they end up quitting because it's not the same. It's a faster pace, and at a fast food, no offense to the fast food, they have four or five people on one position. Therefore, at a one restaurant, a full-service restaurant, you might have one person working each position, depending on the time of day. Yeah, speaking of that, is is there any uh, technique that these people learn to know how to bring the right food out? I mean, you know, I see those waitresses in places that I've been, uh, really, it's they seldom get anything wrong, and I always wondered, how in the world do somebody keep all of that in their, in their head? I see them making a few notes, but I think some of that's in their head, too. Well, to answer that question, um, whenever someone gets trained, whether up in the front or the back, I'm going to speak on the front first, since that, that came up from you. In the front, what they do uh, is when a waitress or waiter gets hired, they, 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 they tag along with an experienced waiter or waitress for a certain amount of time. And then before they could go out on the floor, they have to test a written test on a menu item. And then they also have to serve a manager or supervisor. If they mess up on that, they don't go to the floor. So that right there answers your question as far as them getting the, the, the technique. You have, you have to, you have to um, go through certain steps, certain training. We have a training for the front. We also have a training towards the back. In the back, we have um, uh, someone comes trained with me or someone back there in the back. They have a certain amount of time to learn stuff. Day shift is different from night shift in my position because in my position, I cook everything from scratch. Night shift, we maintain for, for the rush, for the crowd we work as far as the crowd goes. If we got a busy rush, you know, we maintain. And if it starts slowing down, we slow down. Our goal is at the end of the night, throw everything, we don't have no, not throw everything away. But we throw everything away that we can't use, you know, which is really nothing. And, and like like um, gravy, we throw gravy away because we can't reuse gravy. You know, rice, we can't reuse rice. Everything's cooked fresh from the morning. So our goal at nighttime is to run out of what we need to run out of and then only have the stuff that we can't use if, if we still have that left over. We don't cook anything at the last minute. So like if it's something that takes 45 minutes to cook, and if we're out of it, we're out of it. Because um, common sense tells some people, but some restaurants will say, oh, we'll get it for you. It'll be 45 minutes. You're gone. We'll be able to cook the food. 
getting it going. Right, right. But that's, that's how we do stuff in um, in the restaurant. We have a uh, training. We have training for all positions. All positions are different. So you can't just you can't just walk in there and put on an apron and you're good to go. It's no, you can't do that. When I first started working at Cotton Patch, I had worked like I said at the Embassy Suites and I've worked at uh, the, uh, the Kettle and I've worked at the Royal Inn. I started off as a fry cook, and when I started off as a fry cook, there were things from that restaurant. Each restaurant is different. They have a different techniques, different procedures, and different rules of how to do stuff. Um, last week, we had uh, an employee, an ex-employee now, they had culinary experience. Okay, when you think of someone having culinary experience and stuff, you're thinking, you know, okay, they know what they're doing, they can fix all these meals and stuff. Around this area, there's not a market for culinary people. And just because a person knows how to do culinary stuff, they can't function, most of them can't function in a high-paced restaurant because usually when a person has a culinary degree or culinary, they have other people working for them. And they think it's uh, lowering themselves to work at a restaurant for like us. But we had one that quit because uh, the big head got to him and they started bragging about how being a culinary chef, I can do this, I can do that. But when after the training was over, they just didn't show up Monday. Oh, so each 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 um each restaurant and each um set of rules are different. I can't go to a culinary uh, restaurant and work without knowing having culinary experience. You know, I have to learn. You have to have the will to learn. So if that person that quit Monday would actually took time to learn instead of using the communication that they were doing to us, then they probably would have still been there. But you got to listen. It doesn't matter if the person is older than you, younger than you. If they're doing their job before you, they're going to teach you something. We're not going to teach anybody anything wrong or make somebody look stupid. We're not the type of people that, oh, if that person is doing better than us, we're afraid of our job. We're not afraid of that. If that person grasps that technique, guess what? If I need time off, I got somebody covering my shift. I don't have to be like, okay, I can't take off because there's nobody to do my shift. You know, we have to train people the right way. And sometimes the managers will come back there and quiz you. Wow. So, so you, so you can't be, so I think what I'm hearing you say, you can't be. You can't fake the funk. Right. And you have to just do the best if somebody's great instead of thinking, hey, this is somebody that might take my job. So you think of it from a standpoint of, hey, if I need to take a break and I got confidence in that man or that woman that they're going to be able to do what need to be done. And if you're good, nobody's going to take your job. I mean, if you're good and you're doing what you're supposed to do, nobody's going to take your job. The only way that somebody's going to take your job at our job is if you just completely mess up. Um, our old boss that we had, I've, when he was working there, I barely seen him fire somebody. I mean, he's the type of person, he wants everybody to work. He wants everybody to have a good time at work. The current boss that we have right now, he's a younger guy. He's he's probably early 30s, late 20s. Well, I mean, he, he's a good guy. He's um, He was trained by the guy that was there before. And um, he makes sure everything works. His people that he got is solid. You know, we all worked together back when he was a fry cook. So, I mean, he worked his way up, fry cook to shift leader to whatever and stuff. And he has the respect of the whole kitchen. And anyone that gives him disrespect, they hear from us. All right. Well, that's... We, we take care. Of, I mean, we take care. Of, we're not going to beat the guy up or nothing like that. We just say, hey, you need to watch who you're talking to because that guy right there, he's a good guy. Right. You know, he hired you because he believed in you. Right. Well, we, uh, I guess we're still kind of in this pandemic. One of these days, maybe we'll be completely out of it. How has that affected you and your job? Well, it hasn't really affected me because I still have a job. But there was a lot of people when the pandemic first hit, um, a lot of people didn't want to work, but they wanted to get paid. And explain that deal is, um, I guess the government had some kind of system thing that if you got laid off or whatever it was, the government was going to pay you extra money for something, the way I understood it. And so a lot of people that was in the waitstaff business or in the restaurant business, they could make more money at home sitting down, watching TV, not doing anything than going to work. There was a lot of people in different positions that was doing that. And they chose to do that because they was making sometimes two and three times more because waitstaff, they only get paid to, I think it's three fifteen, two fifteen, three fifteen an hour plus tax tips. Sometimes you make good tips, sometimes you don't. That's just a gamble that you go by. But if you got guaranteed money coming in on unemployment, you get that extra $300 or whatever they was giving you every week or whatever they was 
was giving and stuff, you make more money. Because there's a lot that we had that never came back that had that money. But as far as um, um, the pandemic, in, in my opinion, right now, people are um, taking advantage of the pandemic and the restaurant business because they're offering these guys false hope as far as pay rates. The pay rates, they say they'll pay them $15 an hour. Now, anybody knows that most of these places are closing down. There's a lot of places that's closing down because they can't afford to employ the employees. Or either if they can't uh, employ the employees, they jack up the price with a, a gratuity. If you go some places, they will have it on the door. I've been to two or three places where they said they charge you an extra surcharge or something. And it's not gratuity, but the surcharge is something for items because they can't get certain items in at a certain time of year or something like that or to help pay for the employees actually being there. So uh, the $15 an hour, that's just like any other place, a new place that opens up. They're going to charge, they're going to uh, pay people $15 an hour for a few weeks. And guess what? Once they get their buzz, they'll still get paid $15 an hour, but they're not going to get the 40 hours they were getting before a plus. So those people, they're not going to quit. They're going to weed themselves out and go somewhere else because they're not getting the money they was making before. And they can hire other people to come in for a, a lesser wage and then maintain the restaurant. Okay. So it, so for a restaurant owner, it's it gets down economics. They have to be able to uh, to pay what, I mean, they paying those wages and they need to have the sales or the food. They need to have the business to back the, it up. They got, they, they got what they call food costs, food costs, uh, labor. They have to meet the food costs, labor, and uh, the finances. If that stuff doesn't balance and stuff like that, they don't have a job. So they have to they have to do what they can. Not, I mean, I'm not saying they're doing illegal stuff, but um, they have to do what they can to maintain. So, for example, if I go to work one day and uh, it's slow, my boss can say, hey, uh, it's slow. I'm going to start sending people home and stuff. Early. You got 15 minutes to get what you need done, and then we're going to send people home. And then um, we'll have one guy work the whole kitchen. We'll work, work the front until the guy that comes in and uh, does my position comes in or the dishwasher comes in to cut labor. Because some of these places I've been to, for example, one I went to last week and I actually ate at. At 2 o'clock, they had about nine or ten people. I counted them. Nine or ten people on the clock and they were dead. That right there um, runs up their labor costs because they're not making any money, you know, and they're not, not making any food or anything else either. So they're, they're, they're actually losing money. Okay, so... It's all about economics and balancing the books. If the books don't balance, there's a problem with the manager getting his boss on him and then it all trickles down. Hey, you need to work for... They tell us, hey, you need to work quicker and get out of here or hey, you know, we need to get, we need to get this done in a reasonable time frame. Well, it, uh, you're very knowledgeable of the uh, restaurant business. You've been uh, consistent being there, but if you if you were not doing the restaurant business, what do you think you might be doing? Well, when I'm not at the restaurant cooking and stuff, I have an interest in photography. So I've um I've had an interest in photography for a while. I've been doing it for a while. Um, every year I go to the Texas School of Photography in Addison, Texas, and I get certified in a different task. So I'm real serious about photography. Also, I'm a part of um, Abilene Photographers in Abilene and the Abilene Photography Guild, uh, part of the Baker Group, uh, part of the uh, TBM, the Thoughts of Black Men and Family. You know, there's a lot of things that I, I could be doing and stuff and, and participating in. You know, there's really no reason to not do anything. But as far as being employed, um, I could go do photography. Um, there's not really anything I want to really do besides cooking. I mean, like when they open up the Amazon place, I might go over there and put in an application to work over there. You know, since uh, I do have, um, uh, I could prove that I could work in a place for a long time. Right, know? right. So, but you, you you really like cooking. That seems like that's kind of your, your main passion. But photography is something else that you do. Is there any kind of specialty in your photography that you do? I could, um, that's why I, uh, every year I go to Addison um, and take classes. It's uh, what it is. It's a week-long class, but they, they, they cram everything into a week and you get uh, instruction by f- famous t- photographers in the photography world. And they teach you the techniques and stuff that you need, you know, to take care of what you need to. Uh, there's basic classes and there's real advanced classes. Um, two years ago, well, not two years ago because they didn't have the, it was when the pandemic first started, so I didn't go that year. Nobody went. But three years ago, um, it, was, it was two years ago. Yeah, the two, well, right before the pandemic, 
pandemic went, um, I actually took an advanced class. I was scared to take it, but I took it. Uh, and it was by a dude named Tony Corbell, and uh, he's real known in the photography world. Um, I've done portrait photography. That's that's my specialty. Uh, I could do pet photography because I used to do pet photography with a, uh, she's not local no more. Her name was Melinda, Melinda Julian. I've done um, work with her. Um, I've done senior pictures, kids pictures, boudoir. I've done it all. I mean, I could do anything there is and stuff. But when I went last time, I got my lighting out the way. I got all my lighting classes that I felt that I need to. And there's no certain criteria on what you go to the um, school for. It's just you have the instructions and you pick which one you want to go to. Uh, like this year, I haven't decided on who I'm going to see. But, um, you know, you pay so much for the class, but everything's included. I mean, we eat buffet style every night. Um, there's times when we go to, uh, it's a bar that we go to, they serve brisket and stuff, open bar. Uh, the alcohol is free, you know, for those who like to drink. For me, I don't I don't drink. And uh, they really they really take care of you during their time. Well, that's, that's wonderful. So you've got uh, another expression outside of your work that's kind of creative, I guess, like cooking is creative too. Um, I appreciate you being here today. Is there anything that you would like to say to the audience about what you do? Or just just anything you would like to share before we uh, conclude? Well, actually, actually, yes. I, I was going to say that uh, I do have access to a, a studio because uh, I'm part of the uh, Abilene Photographers Co-op at PhotoWorks. So if there's anyone that needs to get uh, photos done or something like that, they could contact me. Um, and, or, and I mean, I have business cards and stuff like that. And I do have a place to take photos. I'm not one of those that, you know, take a picture here and there and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I can do natural light. I can do it all. And um, off of that, some helpful advice to the youth that I've that I've seen it as far as uh, employment, since that's the subject we're talking about. A bunch of these youth, younger people that go look for these jobs and stuff, they should practice better hygiene. I don't know any other way to say it. You know, pull your pants up, wear clean clothes, uh, use uh, proper etiquette, you know, don't use the street slang. I've heard people use the street slang and, you know, their hair's not done, you know, foul odor. And just, I mean, just females too. I mean, it's just, when you go, you got to be presentable. You, you want to sell yourself to these people to get a job. What you do afterwards? I mean, once you're hired, <laughs> that's you. But um, to get the job, you got to make sure you get the job, you know, and, and pay attention to what's done. The, the main thing that I hear a lot of people messing on up on the application. You know, there's a lot of people that don't even fill out the application completely. And if they don't fill out the application completely, they're not going to get hired because that's part of paying attention. If you don't pay attention, then, you know, you, how are you going to pay attention if somebody's food is coming back and you miss it? And, you know, pay attention and stuff and listen, listen to your, your elders and your, uh, your peers. You know, I listen to my elders and my peers. Um, in the cooking, in the, in the cooking business, this is what I've done for some of the, 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 the elderly and, and stuff. I go by G, I used to go by GV Daniels on Fridays and I used to cook for some of the elderly people and, and drop off some butter cake for people and stuff that I made at my house. You know, I know how to make this stuff. So I made it at my house and stuff. And um, I kind of give back to the community on, on that deal right there. Well, Stefan, I appreciate everything you've said, you being here today. And man, that was some great advice for young people that is starting out their careers trying to uh, get a job. So I really appreciate you uh, being here. I'm glad that I'm in the uh, community with you. And um, God bless you as you continue to go on your way. Another 20 years and stuff. I'll be there 45 years. I'm going to try to make it. I'll be just like that person at Walmart that they finally have to retire. They have to retire him. I mean, that person because they've been there so long. But uh, one thing I like about Cotton Patch, since I've been there so long and there's a lot of people that know me, uh, whenever someone sees someone in a Cotton Patch uniform or a Cotton Patch hat or something affiliated with Cotton Patch, they don't say, hey, the food is good. If they know me, they'll be like, hey, it's Stefan still there. And if I'm still there, you know, that's a good thing. I know a lot of people and stuff, they come in and ask just for me. A lot of people. A lot
lot of business owners. I know a lot of business owners, uh, uh, just, just people, just people in general. And I talked to them, and when, like I said, I used to be a manager for five years, and that's what I did. I got to know people. I write their name down. They come in next time I call them by their name. Make their experience feel personal. Well, when they come in and they ask for you by name, that's definitely a credit to you, Stefan. And again, congratulations. Thank you for spending some time with us today. Thank you. It's Everything West Texas is a production of KACU and is sponsored by the West Texas Tribune and Floyd Miller Investments. Securities and investment advisory services offered through FSC Securities Corporation, member Fendra SIPIC. FSC is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products or services referenced here are independent of FSC. Floyd Miller can be reached at 3300 South 14th Street, Suite 100 in Abilene, Texas, 325-676-0138. I'm Floyd Miller, your host. Subscribe today.